Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome to On the Bench. I am Josh Newberg. I've got Chris Nee and Brendan Sinone here with me. They're just off the practice field after day 13 of fall camp. We're back. Brendan's back. I'm back. Chris is back. The QBs are back. Everyone's back. Brendan, is everything back to normal? People are mad at me on Twitter. Uh, We're back, baby. Quarterbacks are doing things. Uh, It is day 14, technically. You're confused probably because I put out day 13 and 14 today. I got my days figured out, though. We're all good to go. Okay, day 14. My bad. Chris, how you doing? I'm good, man. I I saw some good throws today, so I'll take that. All right. Well, who wants this first? Just tell me. Like, what's the big news coming out of camps happening today? Um, How would you define today's practice? Well, I'll jump in first. They, uh, they scrimmage tomorrow on Sunday, so that would be the second scrimmage of preseason camp. So I'm kind of looking at this week as a whole from the beginning of Monday to now in preparation for the second scrimmage. Um, Monday, obviously, we're kind of washed out from a media standpoint because of Tropical Storm Fred, so it was a closed deal. Tuesday was one of the worst practices I've ever watched in my life from an offensive standpoint. They gave the ball away like free candy on Halloween. Um so, you know, we, we roll into Saturday, and today was a much better day. So, from beginning to end, it was vast improvement in the sense of what I saw. But in all seriousness today, uh, Chubba Purdy began the day well. He had an excellent throw inside the facility when we were filming, I believe. It, I, I want to say it was Darian Williamson. Let him well. Very, very nice play. One of the better throws I've ever seen from Purdy in a camp setting. And then it continued outside. He was good. Him, Tate, uh, Jordan Travis, who got a good bit of work today. I thought all three had very, very good days for FSU. And, uh, yeah, it, it's better to end the week with a positive taste in your mouth instead of a sour taste in your mouth, which is what I had earlier in the week with watching two reserve quarterbacks struggle a great deal early in the week. Yeah. Uh, Brendan, do you think Chubba Purdy's maybe pulling away from Tate Rotomaker here in this in this race for the uh, third or fourth spot? Yeah, in terms of, of the guys who, you know, we assume that it's going to be Jordan and McKenzie who keep battling to be QB1, and then the next year of that, I think, is pretty safe to say it's Chubba. And even earlier in the week when they were both Tate and Chubba were struggling with turnovers, and and honestly, Chate's worse – or Chate, I combined the two. Chubba's worse uh, was was probably lower than, than Tate's worse, but uh, Chubba's upside even in those down days was still higher than I, today. We kind of saw him put it together. I think just his mobility, Josh, like gives mm-hmm. you a chance to, to do some things. Like if you hit a worst case scenario and you couldn't be with the, the two more experienced quarterbacks, like he gives you some options there to at least have a, a slight identity, something salvageable on offense. But today, man, he was dealing. Uh, and that's yeah. the first time we've really seen him consistently like spreading the ball around and getting downfield with velocity and, and confidence. Chubba also had a run today and it wasn't one of these patty cake type of runs where in a real game situation where they're going 100% and they're lighting people up where it would happen, you know, mm-hmm. which you get some of in camp because they're thudding for the most part. He had a run today to his right where he found a hole, he shot, and he separated from everybody and really exhibited his athleticism. I thought it was a 
very, very good run. And I think it was one that was solely assisted by the way practices are run because of the fact that they're trying to limit the overall contact they're having. Yeah. And uh, last time we were on the bench, we were trying to calm some of the rumors about the quarterback position and what was going on there. It's only been a few days, but since then, things have have calmed down. We've seen both quarterbacks back out on the field. Tomorrow is a big scrimmage. It'll be FSU's second scrimmage of the preseason. Probably the most important one in terms of position battles. Um, we're assuming that both quarterbacks are going to be participating tomorrow. Obviously, we'll let you know if we hear otherwise. Um, the, the scrimmage is not open to the media, but we will have information up on Knowles 24-7. The scrimmage is tomorrow night or is it in the morning? It's tomorrow evening. It's tomorrow evening. So um, we'll get back on the podcast as well, probably on Monday morning and have more information about the scrimmage. Um, I wanted to switch gears away from the quarterback position because I think, you know, we know all we do know right now at that spot. But what about the offensive line? Um, I'll take it to you, Chris. We've been in pads for a week now. What's your thoughts and feelings on the offensive line? Well, they're, they're mostly just in uppers most of the time. They did have a full padded practice this week, but for the most part, it's been a lot of work in uppers. As far as the O-line, they're still mixing and matching. There's still some guys there some days and not there other days, and I'm not going to get into that because I'm going to get myself in trouble. But, you know, when we see certain guys that we expect to be in that upper echelon of guys that are going to work with, you know, Marie Smith comes to mind, Robert Scott, uh, Darius Washington, uh, you know, Devontae Love Taylor, who's done more as the weeks progress, which is a very positive sign as they work towards the first game. Uh, you know, and then a guy like Dylan Gibbons, who's certainly going to be in that mix, and Dante Lucas. It, when I think of that group, I've seen improvement. It does still kind of fall off a cliff when they start getting into some of that reserve group guys that you kind of hope you don't have to see because you don't need to see them quite yet. In this, how process. deep do we go before we hit there? Do we go five or six guys? Do we go seven? Are you talking about like if everyone's available and good to right. go? Yeah, um, guys you trust. Yeah, I think if you're probably if you're seven, eight. eight. Yeah, eight yeah. If if you're 100 uh, percent across the board, yeah. I will say the two most positive things I took from this week with that group was one, Devontae Love Taylor getting back to more and more action. That's a very good thing because he obviously brings something to every position along the line as far as mm -hmm. capability of playing it. They're also clearly better when he's out there and with the guys that he's working alongside with. And then the other thing is Dante Lucas truthfully stacked, I'd say, three good days in a row on top of each other. And okay. that, that's a very good thing because I'm not here trying to pipe him up or turn him into something more. You know, I don't want people going away from this thing. And he suddenly turned this corner. He's going to be exceptionally great. But it is a positive sign that we've seen three good days in a row. There was a moment where things got hot one of the days that Mike Morvell referenced emotions being prevalent in practice. And he actually was a guy trying to, it appeared, trying to de-escalate some of that. And that that's growth. And I think that's a positive thing. And, yeah, I'll take it. Because even if Dante Lucas isn't a starter at guard, because I think a guy like a Gibbons or a Love Taylor, for example, can certainly play one of those spots. So I think there are a few names in that mix. It, even if he's not a starter, I, it would be extremely beneficial for this football team for him to be a dependable rotation piece, a guy that they can look upon and use even if it's just allowed the other guy to take a breath and have a series off. So uh, I, I did take that away as a positive. Snaps have been very up and down. There was a day or two this week where I felt like they were better than they have been consistently. But, man, they after Marie Smith, that center, it 
gets pretty concerning with that regard. Maurice has even had some ups and downs in that regard too. But mm-hmm. I'm not I'm not overly concerned with Maurice Smith at center. I think he'll be fine. Brendan, how about the defensive line? I saw today um, Dennis Briggs was flashing a little bit, getting some some pressure on. I think it was Jordan Travis in one of your highlight mm-hmm. clips. Um, what's your overall thoughts? I know you've mentioned him as a standout, but what's your thoughts on him so far and just the defensive line in general? And Dennis Briggs has looked great and just the energy he plays with, the quickness, he gives you something a little different inside than maybe uh, like the, the Robert Cooper and Fabian Lovett who are 315 pounds and 330 pounds respectively. Um, he's a little different, but those three give you something inside. And then after that, you got to figure out who that fourth guy is. And, and Josh Farmer continues to flash to me. Right. And it's tough to say, you know, you're a, a true freshman playing in the trenches, but he seems like your best shot in my opinion. And then the edge rushers, I mean, Keir Thomas, my understanding is like, so we know that he's looked good and, and been impressive. We mentioned him a couple of times here on the pod, but it sounds like he's becoming like the leader of that group too, the alpha dog, which is what you expect. He's a fifth year player, but he's new. Um, but as he's proven himself on the, on the field and uh, getting more acclimated to this defense and after transferring him from South Carolina, I think guys are going to start kind of following suit with him. Jermaine Johnson had a really good week as well. Uh, Quayshon Fuller made splash plays consistently. So that's kind of the big variable, Josh, is like who that third defensive end becomes in that rotation. If you can get Quayshon Fuller or Marcus Cushney as the main guys, maybe sprinkle in some Josh Griffiths for like 100 snaps, if you can get better play from him in a limited basis, like you might be all right at defensive line. I think that's the strength of defense, uh, probably the entire team, to be honest. Interesting. All right. Um Let's. Is there anything else you want to talk about practice-wise? I got some recruiting stuff I wanted to hit on, but let's uh, wrap well, I, up practice. I'll throw a little bit more offense out there. I think the receiver group is a group that as a whole has been better um, than what they were last year. You know, Darian Williamson, who we spoke with today, is a guy that has had a good preseason in the sense of showing value. Um, he's a tight end, but Marcus Douglas has made some plays, which is a very big positive. He's done a good job of slimming down. I think he's about 25 pounds lighter than when he was at his heaviest. And it certainly shows he's a big athlete. He still lumbers downfield a bit, but he does make plays downfield. He had a real nice red zone type play today. I think it's in Sinone's write-ups and observations for today. Um, but yeah, the receiver group as a whole, we saw some flashes from Jordan Young during the week. Um, and he was a guy that had to get back out there to do it. Um, he was a little limited the week prior, like when we were in Jackson, I don't think he did a whole lot. Um, and then obviously, you know, Keyshawn Hilton's been ultra consistent. He's had an excellent preseason. He's a guy that certainly looks much healthier, much more in a mental capacity, fully prepared to contribute as well as he can. Now, I've had this conversation with many people. I think it would be extremely beneficial for FSU if Keyshawn Hilton is your third best receiver, because I think he's an excellent number three type. I do hope he's not your best, your number one type. That's no knock on him. I just think you need a guy who's a bit more of a game changer type at the number one, a bit more athletic, bigger, longer, and those type of things. Obviously, the hope is that Malik McClain maybe emerges there. You know, they brought Andrew Parchman with some hopes he might be that guy. I'm not ready to anoint him as such at this joint, at this juncture. Um, but the receiving group as a whole, I feel better about them than I did going into camp for sure. Uh, Kentron's a big reason for that. Caught it much more consistently, making the consistent play, making the routine look routine, which is something that he struggled with in the past where he would make big flash plays. So that's just one takeaway from a couple weeks of practices that I have. Um, yeah, yeah. Very good. I, I would like I would like to add real quick, just because we haven't talked about it sure. since, and this might create a nice transition for you, Josh, as you talk about the quarterback of the future. 
Uh, when we last spoke, we're talking about, you know, everyone was freaking out about Mackenzie Milton. Uh, I will say he had, was it Wednesday's practice, Chris, that he came out and, and just dealt? Like, he was awesome. Uh, no, was I think it, it was Thursday, because I think it was the third one we got to be over the week, which was actually Thursday this week. Okay, Monday my, yeah, my days are all confused because of that. But, uh, but Casey had a phenomenal day, especially in, like, a two-minute drill at the end of the, the day. Like, his, his poise was evident. He's moving around in the pocket well, keeping his eyes downfield, distributing the ball. Uh, getting the offense in the right position. Uh, so that's exactly what you expect from from him in that type of situation. And, and to me, it was just funny, like the, the day before, you know, the Internet's ready to, to bury him and, and people are trying to say that he's out for the season and he comes out and delivers probably his best outing of, of the preseason, which only kind of falls in line with this narrative that he's a quote-unquote gamer. Like, as we keep hearing, I feel like that's subjective. I feel like that's just a, that's an interesting narrative that I don't know if we can prove that or not. UCF coaches thought that about him fsu coaches think that about him currently uh, he, he did reinforce that to an extent this week when he kind of came out and, and showed i'm very much so still still alive and, and doing well everyone all right thank you brandon chris for yeah. uh, your practice update on day 13 or 14 or whatever whatever day <laughs> today is uh, all right, let's move it over to some recruiting. Before we get to the IMG American Heritage game, Elijah Pritchett, one of Florida State's top remaining offensive line targets, um, named a top four. Pritchett is from Columbus, Georgia, attends Carver High School. And um, the teams that made the cut were FSU, of course, Alabama, UGA, and USC, Southern Cal. Mm. Um, he's taken official visits to three of those four. He's not, he has not taken official visit to Georgia. Uh, he's expected to be at FSU's first game against Notre Dame. And Pritchett told me when he was departing FSU for the final time, he said that he wanted to make a decision three or four weeks into the season. He didn't specify whether he meant his season or FSU's, but I took it to mean, you know, he wants to get a look at FSU on the field this season and then he'll make a decision. So no exact date on Elijah Pritchett, but, you know, we feel good about FSU and where they stand, at least heading into 2021 season we'll see so let me ask you let me ask you this josh the graphic he put out fsu was front and center but alabama was at the top what do you make of that nothing um okay. i don't think elijah pritchett is making the graphic himself pretty sure he had somebody do that for him um he keeps it pretty close to the vest he's pretty laid back i think he he said he i want to see what the teams have you know see, see how, how they, they look, look this season, season. I don't think he needs to see what Alabama looks like. I think he means FSU. So yeah. So I, like I, I was just setting, I was setting you up for some banter there, and you just kind of hung me out to dry. That's I cool. feel like he's kind of uh, FSU's to lose heading into the season right now. Even though I don't have a crystal ball pick in on him, I feel pretty confident where FSU stands. But there's a big hurdle with this upcoming season. Um, show pick, show pick, show pick, show pick. Not this show. Not on okay. Saturday show. Maybe right, on a primetime special, but okay. not on a Saturday show. <laughs> Chris, uh, you were at a football game. Or were you at a football game this weekend? Or Zach? No, I, I, Zach went to it last night. I watched Florida High versus uh, TCC, Thomas County Central, growing up in Thomasville, Georgia. was on the local Fox channel. So I was checking that one out last night from the house, but I did not attend it. Um, Gabe Harris made some plays early on. Overall, TCC started pretty slow. And, uh, FSUS jumped on him and kind of put it away early. But Gabe Harris is as advertised. Adam Hopkins did have a couple plays as the game wore on, but it wasn't a very competitive game because uh, it was pretty much over by the half. Mm -hmm. 
And uh, Gabe Harris is a former 2023 defensive end commitment that decommitted. Was it right before the season started or before the summer? Or was it in early June? I can't remember. Uh, I believe it was in early June. I think he actually showed up here for Midnight Madness and he committed very soon after when he went to Ohio State and a couple other Ohio places. State. Yeah. Like literally the next day. Yeah. So it was, for him, it's always been uh, his recruitment's blown up a great deal and it's going to continue to do so because he's a very talented, elite level player. Um, and I think it's a matter of who just wants to take it all in. So he didn't want to live with this lie of being committed while truly looking around. He's still giving FSU the time of day. They'll be in it, but they're going to have to battle some of the big boys for him for sure. Yeah, and he's been back on campus since his decommitment, at least once, yeah. right? M- multiple yeah. times. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, and FSU has a good relationship at Thomas County Central. They're very active with multiple guys there. Him, Adam Hopkins, who I referenced earlier. Uh, younger player, Kendarius Reddick, I believe is his name. Is another kid I know FSU likes a great deal. So FSU is not going to go away from pursuing him. They're certainly trying to make an impression in South Georgia. That's been a big push for them in the cycle and beyond. Mm-hmm. And it's worthwhile because he's that talented and that good at a position where you always want to stockpile good ones. All right. And then the other big game on Friday night was IMG versus American Heritage. IMG Academy traveled down to Fort Lauderdale um, to play American Heritage. Kind of in a preseason game. I guess this didn't technically count. Um, but they were playing hard. It was a very physical game, and IMG pulled away 35-15. to 15. Um, A.J. Duffy, FSU quarterback commitment, was back in action for the first time since 2019, and I thought he had a decent day. I, th- I, was, I was pretty happy with what I saw from Duffy. Um, he was a little erratic. It seemed at times him and his wide receivers maybe weren't on the same page, which is okay. In, a, in the first preseason game, especially considering he hasn't played football in two seasons. Um, but Duffy did hit um, Carnell Tate for a 20, 25-yard touchdown. Beautiful pass on a, on a post pattern right down the seam. Um, overall, I thought Duffy has arm strength. He showed the ability to stay in the pocket, maneuver, get out, make plays with his legs. Um, he had some nice runs. Nothing – Nothing too crazy, but he is a guy that can pick you up eight, 10 yards if if the defense leaves it unaccounted for. So I like that about him. Um, I think he's going to have a big year because he showed the ability to recognize and release the football. Um, he doesn't really hesitate. He snaps it out. The ball he, he throws a great deep ball. He was a little off on some of his throws, but he gets it downfield in a hurry. Another Florida State uh, commitment on the offensive side of the ball that I was impressed with was a Lou Ba. Um, we've talked a lot of, about him a lot on this podcast since he's been committed to FSU for a couple months now. A Lou Ba lined up at right guard. I thought he was very physical. He finished some plays. There's some times where he was, he was finishing plays after the whistle. I thought maybe he was going to get a call on him, but you want to see that dog in him. You want, especially from an offensive line commit to FSU. I mean, for so long, we, you know, we've had these teddy bears up front and Ba looked like he was the real deal. Uh, Katron Allen, the running back who FSU recruited for a long time but committed elsewhere to Penn State, he had a big night. Stacy Gage, a 2024 running back, he had a monster night, maybe the best running back at IMG right now. Um, remember that name, Stacy Gage. He was on campus June 4th, so he is a guy that FSU is in the mix on, but he's going to be a big-time player at, uh, at IMG in a couple of years. Who else do I want to talk? Oh, on the other side. 
Marvin Jones Jr. lived up to the hype. He had a big sack early on in the game of A.J. Duffy. He looked bigger than he did last year, just a monster coming off the edge. And Brandon Innes, the five-star 2023 receiver, number one overall. Man, is he explosive. He's one of those players where you just feel like he's going to break it on any given play. He he had that on a couple touches where he had just one guy to beat. You know, he was breaking tackles, making people miss. Um, FSU target Santana Fleming. He was a little quiet, but he did have a few catches. I think he moved the chain some. Um, but yeah, one of the most, I'd say one of the more impressive athletes on the field last night was Carnell Tate. He had a punt return touchdown called back in the first half. He caught that touchdown um, from AJ Duffy. And here's another guy who didn't play at all last year. He's from Chicago. He transferred this offseason. Uh, six foot two, 165 pounds, and he's out there for the first time. So just the fact that I thought AJ Duffy looked competent and his arm looked live, um, I think he's he's going to show a lot of promise and put up big numbers this year for IMG. Yeah. Nice. I know. Uh, go ahead, Sanam. I just said nice. I was just helping fill the silence. You go ahead, Chris. <laughs> I was going to say, I haven't seen highlights of it, but I know Rodney Hill, I think his team lost last evening. By believe he turned in a couple big, huge plays. I think he mm-hmm. put 14 points up on the board on his own. I know uh, Chris Parson played last night, played a pretty competitive game with a very good team from the Memphis area or the, I'm sorry, Tennessee area. Um, I believe his team came up short, but I saw a couple of highlights of him while lurking around this morning. I haven't dived in too much on the high school guys, but it is nice for high school football to be back and getting back to a little bit of normalcy with that after a year where there just wasn't a whole lot. So I am looking forward to that. But IMG is, I mean, they're freaking loaded again. It's absurd how good they are. Especially um, offensive line, defensive line. I mean, yeah. those are those are ACC caliber offensive and defensive lines right there, just as they are. Yeah, I mean, with the, there are two offensive tackles. One's committed to what, Alabama, and the other one's committed or not committed yet. He's a 23 kid, is that right? Was Nigel Harris one of the tackles last year? Yeah, time? yeah. Yeah, they're unbelievable, man. They are just so loaded. Their size, they really lean on you. I mean, they were running the football at will. And then not yeah. to mention just Katron Allen runs physical and he's fast. He had two 40-plus yard runs in that game. Um, and then Stacy Gage was just – he's he's lightning in a bottle. I mean, he is the full he, – he'll probably be the number – is he already? I don't know. Our 2024 rankings just came out. He might be the number one running back in America for that year. But um, – Man, there was, it was a great game. It was a great yeah. game, and I'm excited to see. American Heritage might not lose. I mean, you know, they got blown out by IMG, but they might not lose another game this season. Yeah, I'd be willing to bet they don't give up. They gave up, what, 35 points last night? Mm-hmm. I'd be willing to bet it's going to take at least three, four games into the season for them to give up 35 total points. They, their defense is always good. It always comes to play, and it's well coached. So IMG putting up those kind of points is a, it speaks more to IMG being really good than American Heritage having concerns. Yeah, definitely. All right, uh, Brandon, before we get out of here, I saw that you wrote something on the vaccine threshold. I wanted to bring that up. And um, you to- you you spoke about where FSU stands. Or did Mike Norvell yeah. speak about it? Yeah, Mike Norvell ended up talking to us later that day about it. So the ACC came out uh, the previous evening and basically put down their policy of vaccination and testing. And basically, I'll make it as short as possible, but they put the 85% of the roster that includes walk-ons need to be vaccinated for teams to only have testing once a week. If not, if you're below that 85% threshold, uh, you will have to test three times a week. So if you think about just the odds of contact tracing, you know, forget even just positive tests, uh, but then contact tracing along with that, 
uh, the odds of three times a week, uh, what that could mean to, to whole position groups getting uh, taken, you know, taken out. Uh, we saw that last year with FSU late in the season. So when, when you're testing multiple times a week, so uh, that's why that number is significant in addition to getting vaccinated, but, but not the time or place here, I guess. Um, FSU is still below that 85% threshold, Josh. Now back in July, when uh, this started kind of getting presented of, of when teams could possibly uh, or what, what leagues would possibly do for, for vaccination rules uh, and testing policies. Um, FSU has probably got 40% back in, back in July. I believe now from talking to a couple sources, they are safely at around 70%. They may even be close to, to passing that pretty quickly. A lot of players were like one vaccine in to the, to the two-step process there. Uh, and you don't count as being vaccinated until you're fully vaccinated. So Mike Norvell said he was confident that FSU would, would be in a good place with that, implying that they were going to hit the 85% threshold. It sounded like September 5th by the start of the season was reasonable. Mm-hmm. Uh, I felt like that, that maybe yeah, I'm not, wasn't super optimistic going into the week that they were going to hit that, you know, at the start of the season, but it does sound, man, like it's going to be realistic for them to hit it in September, potentially even before the start of the season. Uh, why that's significant in addition to the testing and possible contact tracing. If a team can't play a game this year, Josh, you forfeit. It's not in the ACC play. It's not like last year where they were rescheduling games. So if you can't play, you forfeit. If two teams cannot play, they cannot field a, a safe full roster, both those teams forfeit. So uh, that's been a big push for FSU this past month is trying to educate players on, on vaccination, uh, why that could be a safe choice for them. Uh, they've had my role talk to them. They had Mayor Daly uh, come to town. I believe uh, James Coleman spoke to the team after his bout with COVID, which is public. So, so they, and he's a former FSU player. So they've had multiple guys talk to the team to try to educate them on this. And it seems like it's been effective, whether they hit 85% or not at the start of the year, uh, TBD, mm-hmm. but it is moving in the right direction. All right. Well, we'll see what happens there. Uh, I got a quick buyer Sinone actually, before we get out of here, there's no more video for the rest of the preseason. Like the, the media is not allowed to shoot video before practice. Um, so buyer Sinone, even though you can't tweet video, will you have FSU Twitter at your neck at least one more time before the season starts? Before the season starts. So it's about two weeks. Uh, Without the ability to do video. Can you still uh, piss them off? Yeah, I'll do something. The video really helps with that, but but I, I'm sure I'll do something before then. Yeah, I'll buy. That's a hard buy for me. All right, good. Well, um, FSU plays in two weeks, but the college football season starts in one week. So next weekend we'll have college football. So <laughs> I ask you guys this: How will you spend this weekend with your wife? Well, my my wife and kids are currently at the beach, so I'm about to go home and clean the pool. Um, <laughs> so. I, uh, I'll probably spend it more with my kids and my wife. Uh, if she wants to hang around, she's more than welcome. But truthfully, it'll probably be more with the kids. We are going to get pizza tonight, watch Guardians of the Galaxy. I'm looking forward to that. And then uh, for like the hundredth time. And then tomorrow we may just go to the beach in the beginning of the day before I have to be back home to report for practice uh, for the scrimmage. So nice chill weekend in the Sinone household. Okay, good. Well, I will be at Motorworks Brewery tonight in Bradenton, Sarasota, um, speaking at the FSU Booster event down there. So it starts around 4 p.m. It goes until 7. I think I'm speaking at around 5.30 p.m. If you're in the area and you're interested, come on, check it out. I think it's only $10. It goes to FSU Boosters. This will be the ninth or 10th year that I've spoken at this event. It's always a lot of fun. I really uh, enjoy it. So if you're in the area, come check it out. 
You guys have fun the rest of your weekend. What do you say we pot on Monday after the scrimmage? Sure. Right, good plan. All right. Thanks for listening to On the Bench. season of the original hit series mayor of kingstown my job is to create a balance avoid a war from executive producer taylor sheridan co-creator of yellowstone there's some new players in town and they brought the flag and antoine fuqua director of training day i know it's always been a war zone mike but this is next level the mayor is back in business are you warning me you're gonna find out mayor of kingstown new season streaming june 2nd exclusively on paramount plus